Good morning, Whitlock. Hey, did you guys hear about the new craze? It's called putting your mouths together real tight and shutting up. Ah, yeah, no, honestly, I don't know. I don't even know why Ralph wanted me in here today. Uh, okay, well, um, you know what? I'm going to hand this over to someone that actually cares. Uh, grab the day by the... No, 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 I'm not going to say that. Hey, guys, it's Sari and Eddie, and we play Grace and Anthony on Peacock's AP Bio. And welcome back to the second episode of AP Bio, the podcast, the official companion podcast of the show. Last time, we took a deep dive into all things season one with Mike O'Brien, and now it's season two's turn in the spotlight. Sari, I remember I was in New York City seeing this amazing musical, Once on the Island with my dad on Broadway. And after the show, um, this couple came up to me and they said, oh, we loved you in the show. And I said, oh, I actually wasn't in the show, but it was amazing. The cast did such a good job. And they're like, no, we love you on your television show. And I was like, oh, thank you so much. Like, that's so sweet. And then I went to turn on my phone when the performance was over and I had a million text messages from all of you guys in the cast and my friends because we just found out that we got a season two. So it was this really awesome New York moment to be recognized from the show and then found out that we got a season two. And I remember I told the couple, I was like, we just got a season two. And they were so excited. They were like, yes, we love that show. Um, it was such a great moment. What about you, Siri? Where were you when we uh, got when you got the news? Yeah, I was. So I was at USC, and I remember it was finals week. So I was very, very overwhelmed with a lot of things going on. And I remember reading the Hollywood Reporter article, and my mouth literally dropped. And I turned to all my friends who I was studying with, and I was like. AP Bio just got picked up for season two. And it was just such an exciting moment. And no more studying happened that night. That's for sure. We like went out to dinner and then celebrated. And it was such a cool moment. And I remember the group chat blowing up because everyone was just so excited and texting. And I texted you so many times. I was spamming you with messages. And now I know where you were. <laughs> Yeah, um, so I have funny. good theater etiquette. Yes, great theater <laughs> etiquette. That's awesome. But yeah, uh, but so much fun. It was such a great moment, and um, I'm excited to dive into season two memories with you right now. Right, Jack? All right, everyone, shut up. Shut up. Shut up. Shut your mouth. Shut up. Shut your mouth. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. Go ahead and start to shut up now. Uh, that doesn't get old. We are so excited that today's guest is the incomparable... Patton Oswalt. Whenever his name comes up in conversation, ask anyone on the show. They'll say he's just the friendliest, most down-to-earth guy. Ah, oh, he's the best. We love him. In addition to AP Bio, he is known for countless television shows, including King of Queens, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Veronica Mars, and Veep. He is an Emmy Award-winning stand-up comedian with specials on Netflix, Comedy Central, and HBO. Oh, and not to mention, he's an amazing voice actor with hits like The Goldbergs, BoJack Horseman, and Ratatouille. My favorite Pixar film. Just to name a few. Whew, that was a mouthful. <laughs> what can't this man do? Hey, Patton. Hi, Sari. Hey, Eddie, what's up? How Hello, you doing? how are you? I'm really, really good. I'm better now talking to you guys. This is oh, you're so sweet. <laughs> As are we. I'm not saying yes. it's cheesy. This is this feels like a few steps closer to actually uh, being back on set and hanging out at craft and getting re- like it feels closer to being back in reality. 
Yes. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you so much for doing this. But I mean, we wanted to first start off by congratulating you on your Emmy nomination. Thank you. So, guys, Bravo. thank you. you. I mean, Patton, at this point, I mean, is it still super exciting when you get that news or how does it feel? <laughs> I mean, it's, I, I, I'm not going to lie. It is. Yes, it is very, very exciting when you are told that. Um, yeah, you, uh, you're an Emmy nominee and especially, uh, just, this is just for me being a fan of the forum that I work in uh, of, uh, um, standup seeing, uh, that I'm with Dave Chappelle and Hannah Gadsby and, um, uh, Seth Meyers and, you know, just like the, the, the people that are in my category. And then of course, John Mulaney who did, who by himself is a brilliant comedian and then did that sack lunch bunch special which <laughs> so was messing around with the form i mean it it, it is uh, it's a it's an unhumble brag for me to go it means a lot to me to be considered to be working on that level you are the most deserving of it we're so proud of you and we're not even surprised and we saw it we we're like of course this makes sense so well deserved and we also wanted to just sort of check in with you and, and see how you've been doing with the last couple of months. I mean, it's crazy to think that, at least for us, the last time we were on set was AP Bio um, in March. And, and now we're living in a totally different world. So how are you doing? I mean, I'm okay. I still remember very, very clearly Thursday, March 12th. I even shot a walk and talk that's on my Instagram of me just walking around and I'm joking about the pandemic that we felt like, well, obviously this will get be, you know, this will be under control. This won't be crazy. And then that evening they called us all into the hallway and said, this is all being shut down. Do not come back in. We got a shelter in place. And, and, and I, I tried very quickly to like embrace that. Okay. Well, this will be uh, the new reality and I'm going to try to make the best of it. But now that we're this far into it, we're, we're nearly four months, we're more than four months into it. I'm part of me, is thinking I don't want this to be the reality that we live in from now on. I want to, I'll try to make the best of it now, but somehow we have to go back because this is just, this is no way to live for anyone to live. So yeah. it, it, it's, it's a, it's a combination of uh, trying to be optimistic, but keeping a little bit of my anger about it. If that makes sense. Yeah. No, I think it's both. And one day it's one thing and another day it's the other. And it's like living in those uncomfortable spaces. Yeah. Yeah, so we always love to start by asking our guests, what were you like in high school? Oh, boy. When I was in high school, I was kind of one of those combination kids. I wasn't really a jock. I was in the, but I wasn't totally a nerd, even though I love nerdy things. But I I wasn't like a nerd, but, but, but an outcast nerd. I was a nerd with another circle of nerds around me. So I never felt like, oh, I'm some kind of you know, uh, weird shutout ostracized kid. I just had my own group and, uh, I had a group basically of other comedy nerds. That's the other question. People say, were you the class clowns? Like I was one of eight class clowns. There was a, <laughs> a clique of us that loved Monty Python and stand up and Carlin and Pryor. And we were all into that kind of stuff. So that was, that was the crew that I ran with. Um, and now getting into AP Bio, we would like to go back a little bit and just hear how did you first hear about AP Bio and ultimately get involved with it? My um, uh, agent sent the pilot script over and I saw the name Mike O'Brien on it. I'm a big fan of 
and I know I know a lot of the Saturday Night Live writers and the crew over there. So, you know, I, I know about some of the uh, who some of the more esoteric and brilliant writers are people like Simon Rich and, you know, um, and so his stuff always was very odd and really stood out. And he did that weird seven minutes in a closet with and um, he so his so the fact that he was given a whole world, a whole show to construct and build. Um, I and and the fact that he he had um, Lorne Michaels behind him, who was going to help shepherd a lot of that weirdness through the network and make sure that it got onto the air, kind of unfiltered. I was like, I have to be a part of this. And then you know when they said that Glenn Howerton was the lead, I'm a huge, it's always sunny fan. I can't believe the stuff that they've gotten away with on that show. How how um, kind of ahead of the curve they were on a lot of the stuff that's going on. So the fact that. He was one of the exec producers. So those two visions colliding and being protected, I said, oh, yeah, this is a world that I want to be in. So when you're looking, because you're someone that you work so much and you're involved with so many different shows, is it really sort of that vision and the writing that really draws you to a project when you're considering being a part of it? Yeah, it's always what is going to be interesting. That's why I don't people, when they ask me, what well, are you looking to do more dramatic stuff now? I'm like, I don't care about genre so much as I care about the quality of whatever it is. Are they doing something original with it? I think, you know, a brilliant sitcom is just as crucial as a brilliant film, as a brilliant podcast, as a brilliant animated thing. So all of those, whoever's doing something new and different with it. Uh, so that's what, that's, what's drawn me. That's what's kind of guided me through, um, uh, through picking projects. And, and I've picked a lot of projects that were based on, I just want to see how they're going to pull this off. <laughs> Part of I don't know how they're going to do this. So yes, let's do that. That's awesome. So cool. Yeah. So cool. I mean, I'm, and I'm sure when you got the script, of course you, you were reading about principal Durbin and, and I'm sure a lot of ideas came to mind in terms of how to play him. And now thinking about your character and how he's such an iconic part of the show. Um, we'd love to hear more about if, if you had any inspirations when, when crafting the character? Well, one of my big inspirations, one of, one of the things I love in comedy are people who are in positions of authority, but they have no authority. And, <laughs> um, and so that anyone who's struggling to get people to take them seriously and they, people just aren't, and, and they're kind of not aware of that to me is just such a great, thing to play so two of my favorite uh two of the kind of touchstones i looked at was um um mclean stevenson in the tv show mash as henry blake who just was just no one i mean he was still beloved but no one was listening to him and he kind of was always struggling to like i'm the colonel here i'm running this camp and (laughs) even better uh, was Tim Meadows in the movie Mean Girls, and and he kind of took that also to the to the show um, Goldberg's and Schooled. He plays the principal in Mean Girls, but he has reached this level of Zen where he's actually accepted that he has no authority and no actual ability to change anything, and it's one of the funniest performances I've seen. I love that so much. So I try to bring a lot of him to Durbin where he, even though I think Durbin still gets more frustrated than Tim Meadows did in, in Mean Girls, but there are those moments where he's like, yeah, no one's going li- to, I'm, I'm okay with it. Like no one's going to listen to me here. You know, <laughs> he accepts it. Yeah. Like he's talking about the AP kids and he's like, just don't, 
God, they, they just avoid them. They all they do is try to run everything. Like he just just keep your head down and just let this pass. I just I just love that in a principal trying to avoid all the gifted kids. That's to me was perfect. Oh my gosh. Well, you literally just spoke to both Sarah and I's heart with that mean girl reference because really? we are beyond obsessed. That was another great thing that um uh AP Bio did. Same thing that The Office did and then Parks and Rec did and before them The Simpsons where you really really start to populate the world and even characters who have like two or three lines you start, you know, building um stories for them. I mean, a lot of, a lot of you guys, a lot of you actors were kind of in, in especially if you watch in the pilot, you have a couple of lines, but the, the driving force of the story is not originally with the students. And then it became very clear very early on that, oh no, all of you have these amazing, per- and they've since built these incredible backstories to you guys. I'm amazed that there isn't a wiki page just about Grace trying to piece together exactly what is going on in her life because she <laughs> keeps dropping. And it's clear that they, 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 I think you early on had a line like, it was alive when I mailed it. It was like a little throwaway line. And then yes, you yes. delivered it so perfectly that now you Grace just keeps saying these things. You're like, what is Grace's deal? Like, is something <laughs> going to be revealed? It's very, very creepy. She is so creepy. And then Anthony, I would not be surprised if it, down the, like in the finale, we reveal that Anthony is actually 51 years old. <laughs> he goes back to high school because he's bored. <laughs> because he, he has this old soul feeling to him about like, I'm so above. I, I don't know. Something where, where the fact that that's the energy he brings to high school of like, how the fuck am I still trapped here? It just. <laughs> Yes, all of this. How did you know? They've been filling filling out all these. I like um, Marissa Baram was just a background actress. That's how she was. And she was like, I took the job because I needed my health insurance. And then they gave her a line. And now since then, they've built this whole thing. I mean, it just I love that they're doing that with all the characters. You know, it makes the show that much richer. Yeah. We always say that that the writers are listening to us. They know because, um, you know, that scene with Grace and she draws blood from this hamster. It's like a whole thing. The girl that I based my character off of when we were having a play date as kids, she actually hurt slash killed my hamster. So I was like, okay, this is weird. Like, what is this full circle situation happening right now? That Yeah, that is such like Sicilian mafia stuff. Like, (laughs) I want a hamster dead. I want a parakeet dead. I want all the dead. (laughs) We're going to send her a message. No, oh, God. So well, thank you so much for your kind words, Pat. And that, yeah, that really means a lot. You. And we have so much fun being on this show. It also feels like what there's the A story and the B story. And then who each of you, each of the lines that you guys say, like some, some episodes, like there's a, there was the episode with you, Eddie, that focused on your character. But then even the episodes that don't focus on your character, you'll say a line. You're like, well, that's the D story, but we're only seeing that little part of it. Like there's some little thing that you'll say where you're like, oh, there's a whole other story going on over there. And we're only that's the sliver they're showing us. It's- <laughs> yeah, that's I never thought of it that way. But, yeah, that's you're totally so true, right. Yeah. And 
Um, but we would actually love to ask you because we love the dynamic between you and the other faculty members at Whitlock. So we just wanted to talk about what it's like working with that dynamic with the um, other adults on the show. Well, it became, well, obviously I've been a fan of Paula Pell's for years. I mean, she was the kind of the force behind a lot of the, that, the great wave on SNL that had like Tina Fey and, you know, um, Will Ferrell, she was one of the top writers on that. So a lot of that vision. And so, you know, when you're in a scene with her, if you guys start riffing, she's there to catch and run with anything you say. Um, and is always just coming up with, you you know, she's going to come up with something amazing. Uh, and then Mary Lyric and Jean are such amazing improvisers. One of my favorite lines was when, and I don't know what, how this started. They started talking about the best way to die as in, in character in the lounge how would you want to die and then there was this weird pause of just silence and then gene just says i would most like to die at a child's birthday party and which the that made me laugh so because the absolute cluelessness of it she's thinking i would have this wonderful vision of children celebrating not thinking that you'd be scarring children for life because you would die at their party like and and couldn't use it because one of the reasons the line was so funny was she waited like i mean like four or five seconds of just silence she just stood there and then said it which made it even funnier And, and they're like we don't have the four seconds because they have so many characters and it oh god it it was so excruciating and that's sometimes the best part about watching back the episodes is because you know we oftentimes are doing our own thing and you're doing your thing with the teachers or with paula and it's so great to be like oh that's how that came out or that's what they were up to and it's it's so funny to see you guys but to watch those improv moments i'm glad that they capture like little moments of you guys They've learned very quickly to get coverage. That one thing of yours that's now become a gif of you just <laughs> terrifyingly shaking your head like, no, no, no. <laughs> yes. They learned very early, oh, no, get what these guys are doing because really cool stuff is happening. You know, it, it's oh yeah. God, so good. Oh, so fun. We're so lucky oh, to have such a great you. cast. Yeah. Well, yeah. Again, I, I don't want to I don't want to brag too much, but. All of the all the actors and actresses who play the students were relatively not unknown, but they they've been working, but they hadn't like had a and, and you all easily could have just been a background chorus. And the fact that they all saw how amazing all of you were, and the fact that we've managed to hang on to you guys for as long as we have, I don't know how much longer we're going to be able to keep some of you guys, but <laughs> I hope we get to because my God, you the show. If you don't have good people to bounce off of in an ensemble, then the show eventually kind of, you know, it's like Bill Murray said when he did Second City training, what they were trained to do very early on was to everyone in the scene is trying to make everyone else funnier in the scene. And if everyone's trying to do that, then the whole scene is just electrified. Everything is happening. And I think a lot of that happens on AP Bio. Everyone is looking to, you know, make everyone else funnier. Yeah. So obviously we we cannot talk about season three without talking about you and your integral part of bringing us all back together. So could you tell us a little bit more about hashtag Save AP Bio and how you launched that on Twitter and it spread like wildfire? Yeah, I mean, we, we finished season two and I remember talking with Mike about the, all the ideas they had 
for not just season three, but season four and like the 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 bigger arcs they wanted to take people on. Um, everyone, the students, the faculty, and it was it, it really when we didn't get picked up and and especially knowing how well we did streaming. Um, and no, we did not get huge ratings on television. But I was like, I don't think there's people at the network for through no fault of their own. They don't understand how people's viewing techniques are changing. They don't understand how mm -hmm. people are watching things now. And this is a thing. And there's a lot of shows that are dying because of this old system. And they don't realize there's a newer system that is, you know, and so I just tried to, I immediately just said, and it wasn't out of like anger or all oh, these idiots. I was just like, save AP bio that we really have good things planned. And by the way, I know you guys are all watching it. And it, it, it would have, I would have been wrong if I had started the hashtag and it didn't blow up. So the fact that I started the hashtag and suddenly it blew up meant that a lot of people were watching this thing streaming, that I was right, that the numbers were there. And, um, you know, it, it, and also that hashtag again, not to make you guys blush again, that hashtag would not work if the cast and crew of that show had not made such an amazing product, you know? And, and I think it was mm -hmm. to NBC's credit, they were like, Oh, wow. You know what? There are different ways. And I think that was one of the reasons that when they launched Peacock, they were like, this is the first show to go on Peacock. Like we're putting this on because they realized very early, this is how people are watching this show. Yeah. And that, that was just such a cool experience for us. Cause you know, you see a lot of shows get canceled and, and not get saved. And for us, like to see it be like, I think the first day or two, Sari and I were like, okay, this is, this is kind of cool, but like, it's just a day or two. And then when it's like two weeks later, three weeks later, and people are still tweeting about it, it yeah. just felt like, wow, this show means a lot to a lot of people. Um, the onion AV club picked it up. Vanity fair picked it up. So it was all like people were, Oh, clearly we have fans in, in some really high places. So people really started getting behind it. There were things that we did season two that I thought were so brilliant. And I'm like, if this, if they're just going to burn these episodes off and people aren't going to see all the stuff that they're doing, like, that's not like, I couldn't let that go. So I, I was just glad to be able to get that out there. And speaking of season two, I mean, one of the main purposes of this episode is we would love to talk about some of our favorite season two moments with you, because I think going from season one to season two, I think you just feel this level of comfort in the cast. Like we all really get our characters and really understand the tone and each other. And I think that really shows on camera. And I would just love to start with um, episode 210, which is called Handcuffed, written by America's Paula Pell, which was an amazing moment for the three of us because, you know, the writers gave um, my character this amazing storyline where I was taking over for Principal Durbin for the week because you didn't like to give bad news. Um, and I just remember getting that script and I could not believe that this was going to be my week and that this was going to happen. And I was so excited and nervous because, again, we kind of are in our classroom for most of the time and to be able to be in sort of your playground for that week, I mean – it was amazing. It was. It, that is such a testament to the writers paying attention to how they had been developing their own characters. And it became clear over that time that, oh, um, Anthony is the guy that puts the kibosh on things he thinks are dumb. And <laughs> even though he's not the, he's not a quote unquote alpha male, what his his word carries a lot of. 
equate with people um, <laughs> in a very subtle way. So they're like, well, let's just take this to the next degree. But the fact that they also saw that, you know, one of the reasons that Anthony isn't a bully is because he just doesn't have the ability to do it. Once he gets authority, he becomes a monster. Like, monster. <laughs> I mean, a monster. And um, that scene with us and Jamie Moyer, where she's yakking and you just cut her off, which that felt like a, oh, because you know, like you just don't cut off that character. You don't cut off Jamie Moyer. By the way, I'm very proud of myself for doing that scene and not cracking up. I'd never had a scene with Jamie. I'd watched all her scenes and they were hilarious. And I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to blow this. Heck. I know I'm going to blow it. And I didn't blow it. I'm so proud of myself that I did not blow that take. But <laughs> cutting her off and yeah, just, I mean, basically at the end, I'm kind of like, I'm almost cowering behind the desk behind you. And you're just like, here's how it is. Like you just, <laughs> but then Paula has to come in and just cut you off at the knees. And I never gain any authority in the episode. I first, I, I cede my authority to you and then I get it back with Paula's help. I never actually am able to do anything. <laughs> And I, I remember getting to shoot a little bit with you guys, and that was such a special moment for me. It was so much fun shooting with the three of us, and it was just that scene with me breaking the glass and your reaction, because I couldn't see it, obviously, because I was in front of you, but but when I watched the real thing and watching your reaction was hilarious because you're just sitting there and then you hear the glass, or you see the glass break, and you're just like, what just happened? What just happened? So frantic. I was dying. We actually asked Jennifer Arnold to tell us a little bit about directing this episode. Hey there, this is Jennifer Arnold, and I directed the episode Handcuffed. That glass is made out of candy glass, and um, it's it's safe. It's safe-ish. You know, I remember the stunt coordinator saying, it actually can cut you, so do we need to practice it? And so um, the way we did that is she literally just had to squeeze the glass as hard as she could, and then we ran in and we added fake blood. So in the edit, she breaks the glass and we cut away to someone. Then when we cut back, there is blood dripping down her hand. Think if any of the listeners of the podcast had actually been on set, it would be clear that really my main job with these scenes is um, stay out of the way because those actors are so funny and they're such good improvers. And I remember we were like doing a montage and... Uh, Eddie was, was, uh, his character was so over Principal Durbin and he was nailing it with his looks and Patton was like hiding in the closet and peeking out. And there was, there was a shot that it didn't end up in the cut, but I think Paula was sitting on top of Eddie on a couch and that stuff was so funny and so fun that, um, I think my main job in those scenes was just not laugh during the takes. And I remember you had we had a conversation with the director where you said, you know, I really think the comedy from Durbin comes from his nonverbal reactions. And I think that is sort of a through line in the show where sometimes the nonverbal reactions are the funniest parts. And just seeing you say nothing but be so effective and kill take after take after take, I think really showed me how much power there is in just being invested and committed and and just reacting and, and how funny that can be. Yeah, well, that's another fun thing that I get to play is that as the authority figure, I have the least amount of leeway to say what I want to say. Everyone else around me, Paula and Glenn and all the students, they can blurt whatever the hell they want You because I'm a teen. I don't know what I'm saying. Paula, I'm kooky. You know, Jack, I don't care. And I'm the guy that has to 
keep things in control. So there's a lot of times when in, in the script, I'll write what it is I would like to be saying. And what you're seeing is me biting that. And I can't, as the authority figure, I can't say what I want to say. And I can't blow up at anything, <laughs> which makes my oh. life even more tormented. You know, that's a great technique. We're going to have to do that. Write down what we want to yeah. say. That's awesome. Oh, so fun. I mean, one of my favorite moments of season two, speaking of your nonverbal acting, is episode 204, Toledo's Top 100. And for the listeners out there, this is the episode where Durbin and Jack are in Toledo's Top 100 eligible bachelors. And Jack is actually number 86, while Durbin is in the top 10. So obviously, Jack is very upset that he's not in the top 10. And he goes to to um, Durbin and basically tells him how mad he is and and Durbin being a great friend is helping him out saying that he has the in with the mayor so he can help him and Patton you have this amazing moment with Glenn and you're telling the story using your two fingers about how you know the mayor and it is so funny I mean every time I watch this scene I can't help but laugh <laughs> because your timing is perfect you know the mayor owes me a favor Maybe it's time I called it in. Yeah, or we could just go talk to Sarah. I mean, I do think a word from a top ten would go very far. Yeah, oh, yeah, well, she'll be at the group photo shoot later this afternoon. Perfect. You and I are going to be toasting martinis as fellow top teners in no time. That's the plan. <laughs> hey, why does the mayor owe you a favor? Oh, well, let's just say that his uh, daughter... Did not go to her senior prom alone. My nephew took her. Oh. oh. I left way too long of a pause before I revealed that it's the nephew. Um, <laughs> makes it like I did. And then even, I think Glenn had the line like, you really need to shorten that up in the, because it's really disturbing. Like, please shorten up that paw. It was just, that was, again, that, that's Glenn. Like, oh, I know exactly how to tag this. That's awesome. so funny. Team effort. Are there any moments from season two that pop out in your head, Patton, that you just remember fondly or? Wednesday morning, 8 a.m. is one of the best written episodes in terms of messing around with the time and messing around with um, story structure is so yes. genius. Hey. So, I have to admit it was very hard to sum up 94 years of a man's life. But I think I have a pretty solid eulogy for our crossing guard. Mm. You still want this on the morning announcements, right? Absolutely. I love you, Eugene. Wow. Uh, this is just really long. Um, anything you can cut out of this, maybe? And quickly, if possible? Well, I guess we could skip the part about his marital affairs. Mm. Although that's my favorite section. Mm. For those that don't remember, that's the episode where it's just the 30 minutes before the bell um, and Durbin's getting ready and there's a eulogy from one of the crosswalk um, guys and it, it it's so, so funny. It's like, and you're so frantic and the bathroom's flooding and it's madness, but then it all comes together when you have to go on for the morning announcements. A little um, inside uh, baseball, Sweet Low Road, that week I threw my back out so badly. I was in... So if you watch a big part of the episode, I'm standing at that podium talking and in between shots, that was the one place where I was comfortable standing at the podium, holding it. So I was like, my double doesn't need to come in. I'm just going to stand here where they would set up shots. Cause I'm like, this is the one place. And then even when they went to lunch, someone brought me lunch and I put it on the podium and ate it. Cause I could not sitting down and getting up was so such 
torture that I'm like, I'm rather just stand right here. This is good. Oh, so wow. basically that's all that I'm just standing at that podium. I feel like we weren't aware of that. That's crazy. Yeah. That Please, way to push through that. I was going to say spectacle. 211, Whitlock's Got Talent. And you guys have, you and um, Paula have this amazing scene where it's like a Billy Crystal Oscar moment and you guys are singing. Principal Durbin, wake up, you're going to miss Whitlock's Got Talent. (laughs) No, I won't because... Whitlock's Got Talent. Whitlock's Got Talent. Whitlock's Got Talent. Whitlock's got talent. The guy that was rehearsing us <clears throat> really wanted us to get it down. And we rehearsed it to a point where we're like, we want to stop right here because we're just good enough. But there'll be a couple, we still wanted a couple of herky moments. Like he wanted us to get it so smooth and perfect. And I was like, no, no, it's got to have, it's got to look like a principal and his secretary. And they had like half an hour to rehearse it. It can't look perfect. It has to look a little cheesy here so you know and and then of course the uh that final crazy dance thing that you guys all do which is you know again the people pleasing thing but then he asked he realizes oh no we have to actually let um the guy do his really dark messed up play (laughs) yes Yes. that was such a fun week i think well it was a busy week for all of us because again we weren't used to having like a choreography rehearsal or you know we were on location with this big set because i even remember for us we were like in the dance studio and then when we got to the stage and there were all these lights and fog machines and everything and it it really felt like a, a true like play or musical or whatever yeah. and it was it was such a fun week to just like be on location and do that i loved that week excuse me it's extra credit time okay sarika okay guys so in episode 209 dr whoopsie i wore a t-shirt that said Ernest goes to syria and a lot of you really love that shirt. So we thought it would be cool to talk to our season one and two costume designer, Sarah Trost, about the process of getting some of Anthony's shirts made. So here's a little bit about the process of Anthony's t-shirts, which I get asked about a lot. Um, funny enough, but they are pretty great. Um, it starts with the writers, uh, mainly with Mike O'Brien, and they kind of they come up with a grouping of slogans or sayings or things that they're interested in. And I think even in the last season, it was like it was like over a hundred of something, and then they narrowed them down to about thirty six. Um, and then I picked, I think we had thirteen episodes, so then I luckily have the freedom to go through. I pick um, the thirteen or so that are my favorites um a few more than that actually because we have to run some through or all of them through legal clearance um so once we picked out um some of the slogans we'll then run them through the legal process through nbc make sure it's okay for us to put on a garment um and then i will transfer them over to the production design arena um and their graphics person will go through and i'll be like oh i kind of want this idea or this idea And then they come up with these beautiful graphics and send them back to us. Um, And then we have them printed um, and they're pretty hilarious. 
Okay, Patton, you can't study for this one because it's a pop quiz. So this time around, we wanted to let our listeners to get to know you better. Say the first thing that pops into your head, starting now. Favorite place to hang out on set? My favorite place to hang out on set is, um, I actually, I got to say, I like sitting in my office. That chair is really comfy. Oh. I love that chair. And in season three, the kids got in trouble and we are no longer allowed to be we in that room. But that was office. my room and that was my couch. <laughs> we were banned. I am not happy about it. Caitlin. I was not the one who said that. I would have, I would, I would welcome anyone to come hang out. No, I just called her oh. out. It's all good. Okay. So which student would you most like to play for the day? I don't know. I got to say it's a toss up between Grace or Heather. Love it. Oh, amazing. I'm touched. I know, you know, the writers like rub their hands. kind of like, what horrible thing can we have Grace say? This is going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There were some that got cut because they were that horrible. Yeah, I know. There was some dark stuff. That- we won't talk about it, but we know. You know. We're, yep. <laughs> but thank you. That's so sweet. Okay. So if you weren't an entertainer, what would you be doing? Oh, man. Maybe I'd be a, um, like a historian. Like in a gossip, like go into like the darker parts of history. I've always loved that stuff. Oh, I love that. That's awesome. Okay. What is the last show you binged? The last show I binged was. There's a German show on Netflix called Dark that I just got into a couple weeks ago. And I watched a few episodes and I'm like, oh, God, I had to gobble the whole thing up. It's so good. It's like an even more, it's like an even more complex and deeper uh, Stranger Things, but it's called oh. Dark. And oh, it's fantastic! Highly recommended. Awesome. Good to know. Fill in the blank. Principal Durbin loves blank, but can't stand blank. <laughs> it's like Mad Libs. Right. Right. Wait a minute. Principal Durbin. He loves, he loves education, but he can't stand conflict. Ooh. You just summed good. up your whole character. I kind of did. In that one sentence. <laughs> like, if we could somehow educate where we don't have to interact with the students or have any problems with them, that'd be amazing. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Love it. <laughs> maybe, he'd like, maybe he'd like this virtual situation then. Oh, my God. I bet he'd love virtual learning. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, boy. (laughs) Okay, Pat, and what is your favorite album of all time? Oh, my God. My favorite album of all time. I mean, if we're going to base it on what I listen to the most, it's got to be Paul's Boutique by the Beastie Boys. Oh, great. Endless, endless level of brilliance and, and, you know, creativity. I love it. Okay, time for some fan questions. We reached out to you guys on Twitter and Instagram for any questions for Patton, and here's what we got. This one is from at Matt Rod 1994. How does it feel to do another season of AP Bio? Um, for me, it was really, really exciting. It was almost like 
I was more excited as a fan than I was as an actor because I knew I went mm -hmm. in during the summer and hung with the writers for a little bit and saw what they were planning in terms of story and where they were going to take the characters. So I was, I was as excited to get to see the stuff be realized as I was to get to act in it. That's how it felt like. It was almost felt like I'm more excited to watch the show than to film it. I want to oh, see how they put this all together. Aww. That is awesome. Yeah. That's so cool. Um, I actually was able to go into the writer's room too. And it was so cool to see like their process and see how they come up with all the storylines. Brilliant. So brilliant. Yeah, I love that. Um, okay, so this is from the Almighty Meh, which is a great handle name. <laughs> uh, the Almighty Meh. Um, he or she or they want to know, what is the hardest thing about being a comedian and conversely, the best? The hardest thing about being a comedian to me is once you um, commit your new hour or what have you of material to a special or to an album, you can't do it again because you don't want to, you know, I don't want to rip off my audience. I want to always feel like, well, they've seen something new from me if they bought the album. And what's hard about that is, and every comedian will tell you this, the minute you record an album or a special, the week after you'll think of four or five funnier tags or punchlines to those jokes. <laughs> it's Oh my God. Why didn't I? Like, it just, <laughs> oh no. Like I just thought of a better way to do that joke, and now it's on. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it's always. And any comedian will tell you the exact same thing. Oh yeah. boy, that's amazing and horrible that's at the awesome. same time. <laughs> and then, if you were to be a teacher, what class would you teach? This is from at a. It's Wes. Hey Wes. Oh wow. <laughs> I would probably want us teach like English literature, um, especially because. I'm such a bookworm and I know that a lot of a lot of my teachers that I still keep in contact with one of the things that keeps them teachers is you know they love the books that they teach and what's amazing is when you have new people read a book that you love and think you know everything everything about um but then someone keeps bringing a new perspective to it that you never thought of that is always just this constant level of excitement and wonderment of you know I want to figure out what is hidden in this thing that maybe even the writer didn't know was there, oh. you know, and you can't do that unless you keep having years and generations of new minds and new faces to come to this material. Okay. That process must be amazing. That's so That's interesting. Oh, I love that English literature. And I guess we will end with this last question without giving too much away. What can viewers expect from season three? Can you give us a teaser? <laughs> Again, I, the teasers, there's stuff I want to say, that, I, but there's stuff I don't want to spoil. There's a, there is an episode that plays with time the way Wednesday morning 8 a.m. did, but not in the way it did it, um, but in a, in a much different, weirder way. <clears throat> there's also one, how do I talk about this? It's about a, it's about a yearly celebration in Toledo. And the way Great. they did this wasn't just like, it could have easily been a little throwaway joke. And clearly Mike and the writers sat down and figured out exactly how this celebration would go, what the parts of the celebration would be like. They worked out a legitimate holiday that they made up from the, you know, the one I'm talking about, right? It's so, yes. 
it's so ridiculous when you first hear it and you go, okay, this will be, but then by the end of it, you're like, they really worked out a legitimate like holiday that they would do. The way they did that was so just amazing to me. It, it oh, yeah. just blew me away. And, you know, we just sort of wanted to say like, and seeing how much of a team player you are, like whether it's at the table read, you are the loudest laugher at a table read or on set when you're watching us, you're so supportive. And from day one, you just made us feel so included. And and we are just so grateful to be able to work with you and learn from you. And it's, you've truly made this experience that much better. So thank you for being such an amazing example for us, truly. Yeah, because working with you and watching you has made us much better actors truly it's like such a privilege just to watch you at your at your do your thing guys thank you fingers crossed season four well finger hey fingers crossed a season of anything uh you know let's get on the COVID. but then yes season four yes and give everyone our love and um yeah good luck with everything i'm sure we'll see you soon I will. Thanks, guys. And that's a wrap on our season two recap. Thanks so much to our special guest, Patton Oswald. And shout out to our producer, Katie Wadsworth, and sound engineer, Huckabara, for helping us bring this episode to life. And thank you guys for listening. Be sure to catch up on all the episodes from season one and two on Peacock. It's free. Yes, you've got to get ready for season three, which begins streaming on September 3rd. The rest of the podcast will be dedicated to breaking down each episode of Season 3. We'll be interviewing the entire AP Bio family to give you guys an exclusive look into what it takes to make this show a reality. We hope you've enjoyed the show so far, and don't forget to subscribe. And if you really liked it, a nice review would really boost your GPA. See you next time!